Hi, this is Sean Wallace, the Dark Destroyer from The Chase, and you're listening to The Late Shift. I don't listen to it, but it's probably adequate. Keep on listening, or else. Hello, and welcome to The Late Shift. We are still the reorganised nationalist Late Shift. No yeah. word from Val. No, and Kathmandu. No, no, I imagine it more like Stalin is in is in bed ill. <laughs> so we're just kind of frolicking. <laughs> yeah, that's, Pl- planning that's how our the, takeover. That's how the death of Stalin went. Frolicking. <laughs> what yeah. will be the land state? No, we're planning our own our own little uh, coups. Mm. But yeah, but yeah, Val hasn't returned. James is Malenkoving about. <laughs> who does that make you? Hmm? If I'm Malenkov, you're giving me Malenkov. Who are you? Someone who doesn't take power in the end. Someone who doesn't even try. I am Molotov. I believe the party line. Okay, I'll give you that. You can be Molotov. One second. I and I'm it. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Wait. Chris, Khrushchev. <laughs> Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Third Premier of Soviet Union. <laughs> yeah. So, in, in, in usual, in, you know, carrying on, carrying on one of the great Valentina's traditions... Every other episode has basically no intro. Um, so on to today in history. So Jonah, you have won the late shift top trumps. Yeah, and... I'm I, I'm I'm going first. I'm also sneakily trying to host when James isn't watching. You see, moving us into today in history. <laughs> but so my story. I'm still picking a portrait. You got your girdle on. Yeah, <laughs> this one, burn it. My story, of course, twelfth of May, eighteen forty-six, comes from the good old U.S. of A. When it was slightly less of A. It was collecting bits still. Manifest Destiny all. Mm. So 12th of May, 1846, the so-called Donna Party, sometimes the Donna Reed Party, set out from Independence, Missouri, for the new world of California. Now, I'm gauging from the blank looks on, on the two of your faces that uh, you don't Donna Party's not, not setting off any alarm No, bells. No, neither's Missouri. Or this California you refer to. <laughs> But uh, Missouri and California are states, James. California, actually, at this time, was still in Mexico. Are states like counties? No. <laughs> <laughs> but the Donner Party is significant because it is one of the um, more notable instances of cannibalism in American history. That took a that rapid turn. Fucking hell, that was, you, you, I, that was not where I was expecting it to <coughs> go. You're going along in your car, and I was like, where are we going, Jonah? Cannibalism. <laughs> and he took some bite out of you. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more like the car just like shot into space. <laughs> well, less car- less cars, more ox-drawn wagons, much more exciting. More death. Well, and what the game I think if you got if your car suddenly got launched into space, so that's a hundred percent death. Did a hundred percent of the people die of the launch party? Actually, no, about They're half of them survived. Therefore, spoilers. That your your hypothetical is a far more deadly situation. You'd rather be with the nineteenth-century cannibals than in the space car. Then be f- f- thrown into space like some kind of. The Hot Wheels gone Tell mad. You what, most, <laughs> yeah, like most of the people in here aren't remembered. You'd be remembered as the man who was fired into space <laughs> in a Ford Fiesta. Or would I? Or would I just vanish because no one looked at the right time? Mm, I, mean, I just ping up into Born space. Those alien conspiracies. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Anyway, some background. Like Please. I said, <laughs> at this point in American history, big chunks of it that we now know as American weren't American. So, for example, California and New Mexico were still Mexican. Yeah. At the time this is going on, there's actually, a, there's actually a war between the United States and Mexico over the ownership of some of these territories. Is that where the Alamo comes from? 
No, that's the independence of Texas, which is around a similar time. Okay. Um, Sorry, Americans. Idiot. Idiot. Stupid. I don't know my American history. General E. Lee was the fourth president of the United States. <laughs> was that correct? This, the fact that these places were not in America did not stop <laughs> Americans going there. Emigrating. This was this was the epitome of manifest destinies. Mm. The idea that Americans had that every, everything between the Atlantic and the Pacific, not including Canada, um, belonged to them. Mm. So off they went in their wagons, and they followed something that you might you might know called the Oregon Trail. Yeah, I've, I've heard. Hence of the why Oregon I Trail. mentioned death and dysentery. There's lots of people dying. So, yeah. Ha! More people dying than the space car. <laughs> no, because as I said, I'm talking on purely hypothetical levels. So, Away from the fucking space car. Take your hands off it. It's dangerous. <laughs> it keeps flinging people into it's space. It's cannibal as well. De- death and dysentery and slightly irate Native Americans who didn't like the fact you were flatly laying claim to their land and then yeah. walking across it um, were all dangers on the Oregon Trail. Because although these people are seen as pioneers and America has this kind of pioneer history, a lot of them were just common people who wanted a new life in the West because they didn't like what they were doing in the East. So they got in these big wagon trains and they went. So by the mid-1840s, there is a fairly well-established trail, the Oregon Trail, across America. Enter Lanford W. Hastings, who published a book in the early 1840s called The Emigrant's Guide to Oregon and California, where he proposed a a, a shortcut in the Oregon Trail, which would save you possibly months of travel in your journey to California. So instead of going up through the uh, the Emigrant Gap in Oregon, you would turn at something, uh, turn at Fort Bridger, go over the Wasatch Mountains and the Great Salt Lake Desert. Which always sounds good. The Wasatch Mountains. Like, that doesn't sound like anywhere. As, but... as terrain to travel over, mountains and salt deserts are notoriously easy. No, I was thinking also... Time-saving. Also, the, the, the naming aren't very... Uh, well, they're more Native American than American. Yeah. It might as well be... Okay, so you take a left at Fort... Fort what was it? Bridger. Bridger. Yeah. You go over to Death Peaks. Cross <laughs> over the land of the Angry Savages. Into something we simply call the Devil's Basin. And on the other side of that is the Land of Plenty. Sounds bad. Even better was that Hastings himself, although he published a book, I think, in 1842, 43, having already been to... Yeah, had not gone along the so-called Hastings Cut-Off. Of course he hadn't. (laughs) Prior to 1846. This is a man who looked at a map, really, and said, Oh, there's a a bulge there. Well, you could just go in a straight line. (laughs) Easy peasy. It's like... Yeah, he, he he in my head like he's Gimli. He hasn't been there. Yeah, he was just like, oh, it's horrible. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's dead. <laughs> so yeah, he claimed it was free of rugged terrain and hostile Indians. Both of those are lies. <laughs> <laughs> the mountains. That's not rugged. It's real smooth when you get up close. <laughs> No, really far away, everything looks flat. Look, to be clear, there were there were always mountains in the way on the Oregon Trail. The problem was, were there trails you could drive wagons through? Yeah. And the Hastings Cut-Off did not have those. There were big boulders in the way that would... <laughs> Seriously, he would know that if he'd, if he'd been. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, the huge ones that you would never think to go down. You'd walk up and go, this giant boulder, we should turn around. Yeah. So I'd now, now I'd like to introduce you to some of the... Uh, because there are, by the way, like the, the Reed Donner Party at its peak is about 87 people yeah. in about 60 wagons. But, uh, but they included the, the, uh, the eponymous Donners, as a, a ch- chiefly George Donner, who was 60 at the time he, he, he went, uh, who was married to uh, Tamsin Donner, 
She was 16. 44. Oh, so it was 16 years different. 16 years different. And they brought with them their, di- their daughters, Elitha, Liana, Francis, uh, Georgia and Eliza. Also there was Jacob Donner, George's brother, his wife Elizabeth, his stepsons Solomon, Solomon and William Hook, and their, da- their children, George, Mary, Isaac, Lewis and Samuel. And by the way, I think Samuel is one when they begin. And there are actually, there's a family, there's a German immigrant family called the Kessebergs, who actually have a child on the route. Mm, so, okay. big families going. Yeah, because <laughs> that's the thing, these, yeah, these trails lasted a while. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I ain't staying off for that long. That's yeah, and I'm they've saying. got... And it even took even longer when they took the Hastings Trail. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, uh, and they also had to bring with them Teamsters, or wagon yeah. drivers. Yeah. Um, so the ones attached to the Donner family, you had Hiram O. Miller. Samuel Shoemaker, Noah James, uh, Charles Berger, John Denton. and If all- Charles Berger but gets, gets eaten, eaten... It's with an E, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Like- no, oh, no, sorry. No, no, B-U. No, like Berger. Oh, like Berger. Berger. Um, and he, please or- tell me... Spitzer. Spit, spit roast. <laughs> spit, <laughs> you you sound like you're just coming up with Ben and These people are food. You know, it's hard to keep track of who gets eaten and who doesn't. Yeah. Oh, would you look at that? It's Abraham... Chewable, <laughs> yeah. Because they, yeah, they. I think it was it was basically a career at the time. Was the fact that you'd have the people directing the routes to and from. Yeah, you you had guides and say like Fort Bridger. Yeah. So they so they would get paid to basically just for months on end drive look wagons. after and look after the things if they were ever attacked and stuff like that. Try and defend them. Yes, yeah, yeah. so you had wagon drivers, you had local guides, you had people who claimed they could deal with the uh, the native tribes. Like Fort Bridger, for example, is just some guy who set up a way station where you resupplied wagons and they made money that way. Mm. Essentially an inn. Yeah. And finally, because I won't mention all of them because we'll be here all night, but finally you have James F. Reed of Ireland and his wife Margaret, who brought with them their children Virginia, Martha Jane, James and Thomas. They also brought along... Um, James, James Reed's mother-in-law, Sarah Keyes, who died of consumption not long into the, uh, into the trip when they were still on the Oregon Trail and not the Hastings When you say consumption, you, you're not, different kind of consumption. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was so, not consumed. Okay, right. So, on a story about cannibals, you know, we need you, to... Oh, yeah, nothing, nothing is off limits. You go get the facts straight. Yeah, we, yeah, we should always be clear. <laughs> died of consumption. <laughs> yeah. So on the 20th of July, when they set off today, 12th of May, 20th of July, at the Little Sandy River, this is where their journey onto Hastings Cut-Off began. Because mm-hmm. the trail continues on. Was the there. Little Sandy River, by any chance, a raging torrent that old <laughs> old Hastings had completely misdescribed? Quite possible. Over the Sandy River, you get there, it's just rapids from start to finish. Well, the thing is, this was te- the, you crossed it on the Oregon Trail. So if it's on the Oregon yeah, Trail, chances the- are it is not too bad. Yeah. Little Sandy River, by the way, I looked on the map, is actually next to a river called Big Sandy River. America. So, and Donna was selected to lead this party. Any credentials? Or just... um, he was American and he was quite nice. I hope that is actually... And, and he, and he, and he, and that is literally what I found, is that people... Reed was dismissed because he was aristocratic, ostentatious and imperious, and European. Donna was American-born, charitable and kindly. And did he have a gun as well? Oh no! They all, they all had guns. They all had guns. Come on, they didn't. Neither of them. I'm just saying that that was the only credential that you probably needed. <laughs> Neither of yeah. them, like being a sheriff, had any pioneer um, experience. Yeah, I th- they, you know, they were. Just it was really. Well, to, to be fair to this party, 
you're picking between two people who neither have any experience. One of them is an aristocrat who's looking down. No, he's, 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 no he's from Ireland, but they took him to be aristocratic. He was very abrasive. He rubbed people up the wrong way. What I'm saying is, yeah, so you've got one guy who's rubbing you up the wrong way, or you've got the guy who just kind of keeps offering you tea and coffee. Hmm. Just saying. As I said, all of them lacked experience in traversing any of the terrain on the Hastings Cut-Off, yeah. and none of them had any experience dealing with Native Americans. Well, I mean, it makes sense, because the person that, that wrote that book didn't have any experience as well. So, mm. yeah, they're all in the same boat. Well, yeah, you know, beginner's it, luck. It sounds like the only people <laughs> on this route so far that have any experience is the uh, the raiders. So what, enter a man who does seem to know a little bit about what he's talking about. So there's a journalist, Edwin Bryant, had was at Fort Bridger before the, he had been. He got there before the Reed Donner party, and had looked, bear in mind, at the initial stages of the Hastings cutoff. And he thought, "There's a story here. These people are going to die. So I've got to follow them around." And he thought, "There's." So he looked at it and he thought, "There's no way that, that you get wagons through here, especially if you're bringing women and children with you. You know, families, mm. not just people travelling on their own." So he left letters at Fort Bridger, advising this part, advising the Reed Donner party not to take the Hastings cutoff. But these were not received, and it is generally accepted that um, Hastings hid them. Really? Yeah. Ooh. Essentially, he was advertising his trail by sending letters to the wagon trains that were coming from Independence, Missouri. Um, and the, re- the the Donners received these and obviously thought, well, we'll take it. Yeah, so at Fort Bridger, having arrived there, not received the letters, Yeah. the, the Reeds and the Donners are joined by... Uh, by several other families, including the the, uh, the Graves family, the McCutcheons, and so on, and their teamsters. So, as I said, this brings the Reed Donner party up to eighty-seven people, and most importantly, they are the last group in that year's wagon train. There is no one coming behind them. All the people right. who have caught, who were behind them, have caught up with them and joined gone them. Pa- joined them all gone past. Because obviously, you could only go at certain times in the year. Yeah. So and these wagon trains, you know, miles, miles along. But so the the they were the last party to leave Independence in eighteen forty six. No one behind. So they set off on the on the Hastings cut off, and as we have just ran into the difficult terrain. So by mid August, their supplies were running low, and they were still in the Wasatch Mountains. On the twenty fifth of August, one of their company, James Halloran, died of tuberculosis. It was not eaten. On the 30th of August, as I said, supplies low. They had to set up, set out across the, uh, the Salt, Salt Lake Desert. Salt Lake Desert yeah. Um, yeah, so, and when they set out, they were low on water and their oxen were tired. So these things, there was no water and grass on the way either because obviously it's Salt Desert. Yeah. <laughs> Again, here returns Hastings, who, by the way, is with another party of wagons just ahead of them and leaving letters with alterations, shall we say? To his cutoff, pinned to trees behind him, because so, he knows the Reed Donners are coming up behind him. Is he doing the, the path as well? He is. He's with a party just ahead, and he's actually trying to guide them. Yeah. And at one point, they ride ahead and catch up with this other party and go, "Dude, like this, this, this trail's crap. Help us." Yeah. And although in his letters he sent to the main wagon train, he promised to guide the Reed Donners, the Donner party. Uh, he kind of, apparently he just rode back along the trail, giving them general direction, and then returned to this other party. So the Donner party was forced to follow in the tracks of this yeah. wagon of this wagon group that Hastings was with. But in a, one of the letters he left, Hastings promised a two-day trek to cover forty miles of desert. It took them six days to cover what was in fact eighty miles of salt desert. Really, 
interesting fact about salt desert the heat of the day causes the uh, the salt crust to turn to a kind of gummy mass which apparently came up to the hubs of the wagon wow so these wagons were getting stuck at some point some of the oxen became crazed with thirst and just ran off into the desert isn't that also why um, is that why you also get the moving (coughs) rocks as well moving rocks uh, there's, there's been basically in these salt deserts you find like um, massive rocks like huge rocks yeah. that, that look like they have drag marks and that's because when the heat and the, the surface basically becomes like a goo it slides slightly but obviously for ages people thought that people were that aliens were moving them and stuff but... oh wow I don't know yeah because they have obviously a really big trail behind yeah, them yeah and sometimes they're just like like right angles and weird patterns no so anyway so so that they make it across the uh, salt desert and on the 29th of September, they rejoined the traditional trail at Humboldt River. The cut-off so far has delayed them about a month. So so much for saving them any time. Uh, at this point, they're resting on the far side of the river. Uh, Reed gets into an altercation with a teamster called John Snyder, yeah. who was beating one of Reed's oxen. And uh, he then Reed intervenes, and Snyder starts hitting him with a whip. Um, so Reed stabbed him under the collarbone. But this is actually in the long term will probably help Reed and help the party because Reed is banished. Because although they were they were outside of US territory, so US law didn't apply. But Reed was so unpopular that one of the Germans, Kesselberg, advocated that they, they lynch him. Really? Because Snyder was quite popular. Even though Snyder started the fight. He started whipping a man, yeah. So but Reed was banished. Uh, supposedly without any without any guns or, or food, but his daughter rode ahead and left some for him. He then went caught up with Donna, who, whose wagons were ahead of this group, where he, so he couldn't have adjudicated, teamed up with one of his wagon drivers, and then went off ahead. So he actually made it over the, um, the Sierra Nevadas. Yeah. And all pretty ragged, but actually made it to Sacramento Valley and uh, Fort Sutter. Interesting fact, the man who... The, John Sutter, the man who settled Fort Sutter, was the owner of the mill... Um, where gold was first discovered in California on the American River. Really? Yeah, one of his foremen found it in the, in the mud in one of their uh, mill races. Huh. But his business collapsed during the gold rush. Really? Yeah. Didn't know that. Because he, he ran a sawmill on the American River. Yeah. So yeah, so Reed is banished, teams up with someone else and ends up ahead in of, California. Ahead of the... Uh, and this, this will help. Yeah. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So at this point, the ox and the tide... Everyone's being forced to walk. One of the guys who's about 80, a guy called Hardcoop, um, I think Kesselberg tells him to get out, walk or die. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, at one, and then I, he, I assume he picks die. <laughs> he walks and then dies, so he almost gets the worst of both deals there. <laughs> Exile or death. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's last seen uh, sat on a rock, nursing, nursing feet that are so swollen they've split open. Oh. And is believed to have died of exposure. No one ever sees him again. Really? Yeah. During this part time, there's repeated run-ins with uh, Paiute Native Americans who shoot or steal or chase off their cattle. Really? So, yeah, they lose about 100 oxen and horses. So by the time they reach the Sierra Nevadas, they're using Mongol teams of horses and mules and what ox they have left. So when it, it comes to winter, they reach uh, what is now known as the Donna Pass in Sierra Nevadas. The summit is blocked with um, 5 to 10 foot snowdrifts. Uh, so they decide to camp for the winter in Donna Pass. There are three pioneer cabins there, and some of the families take those. And then about a day's march behind them, the Donna family sets up tents. 
So they have little supplies, their oxen are dying, and they have little uh, luck hunting, and none of them know how to fish, because the lake, the lake hadn't frozen over yet, but none of them fished. So apparently they, they, their initial food was boiled oxide, which apparently turned into a kind of disagreeable jelly, mm. or uh, boiled animal bones, which apparently they reboiled so often to make soup that they just became brittle. Really? Mm. Oh yeah, and uh, George Donner, George Donner has gangrene in his hand. I believe he got the wound um, cutting wood, and uh, so he's, he's, the wound becomes infected and his arm becomes gangrenous. So after, so this this goes on for some time, and there's something called the Forlorn Hope. So seventeen set out on uh, rudimentary snowshoes made of ox hide and ox bone. Uh, to, in testament to the harshness of, of the situation, many parents left their children behind and set out on this trek to try and get over the summit and into California, into what was then called, like, um, into Sacramento. I'm so assuming they, they were going to go back for their children. I, I, that, I, I'm sure that's the plan, but how likely they thought that to be, even at the time, is a serious question. Yeah. Because they were, they were, they faced 12 feet of snow, many of them were malnourished, they had little inexperience, and after three days of hiking, most of them were snowblind. Uh, it's, and it's on this trek that they discuss, they're running out of food, and one of them suggests that one of them should elect to die uh, so they can eat them. No one volunteers, and someone suggests that the, fir- the first person to, uh, to drop, they should just eat them. Uh, shortly after, a man named Patrick Dolan did something we've encountered before with the, uh, uh, what is it, the, the Russians? Datlov Pass. Datlov Pass. Began ranting deliriously, stripped naked and ran off. He returned and died about three hours later. So he was the the first confirmed That's cannibalism. Yeah. victim of cannibalism, I guess. Yeah, but I think there was another point later where two of them two of them set out to hunt, but by the time they'd returned with a deer carcass, another one in their party had been carved up and eaten. There were two two men who had joined the the wagon train at Fort Bridger, I think called Luis and uh, Salvador, uh, and the leader of the forlorn hope suggested that they they should eat them. Uh, but another, I think, Chapel Graves informed the two men and they left quietly, but they found them later dying of exposure and the leader of the Forlorn Hope shot them both so they could be eaten. Really? But So this cannibalism did mean, though, that 33 days after leaving camp, the surviving members of the Forlorn Hope reached Sacramento Valley. Which So then the people in California came to know about the plight of the Reed Donner Party stuck up in the mountains. Although there was a war going on, which meant a lot of able-bodied men were... Um, Serving. Serving. Three relief efforts were made to uh, to rescue the people of of the Reed Donner Party. Some of and in the meantime several several died and were eaten. Some like obviously George Donner couldn't move, his arm was so gangrenous. But one one note one slightly tragic instance is William Hook, one of the stepsons of Jacob Donner, died after his rescue because he was so malnourished he broke they'd made the rescue parties made caches of food mm. on the way up the valley, so they could use them when they came back. Um, but William Hook was so so hungry, he broke into one and uh, fat- fatally gorged himself yeah, yeah. after his rescue. But yeah, and there was and so when the relief parties arrived at the uh, at the camp in the past, there was more evidence of cannibalism. They came across one guy when the party appeared. He was seen carrying a human leg, which he then threw in a hole. Really, yeah. <laughs> and there was one guy, uh, Lewis Kesselberg. Yeah. Wasn't actually he was found alive, but only by a salvage attempt like a year later, as far as I can gather. Really, it was thought that he had murdered someone to eat them because it, he was he had a load of their jewellery 
hidden next to a pot of human flesh in the little hideout he was using. Really? He was found a lot later. So yeah, of of the eighty seven who 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 entered the pass, forty eight survived. It does seem crazy though the fact that like they were questioning the first time, but it seemed like after the first time they ate human flesh, everyone was just like, Oh fuck it, we've done it now. So look so at that seal. This is the thing. I expected them to be reviled. But a lot of people just it was you know, it was just a, a pioneer survivor story. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, like the, like their kind of their uh, endurance was praised in the press. They weren't they weren't um lambasted or was Hastings called up on his path? Uh, death, death threats were sent, yeah. for sure. And I think I think one one of the members of, of the wagon train promised to kill one of the other ones because the other one straight up told him that I ate your son. Really? Yeah. Um, but he never went through with it. But H- Hastings received a lot of death threats. I don't see why you know. Well, I guess fascinating. I knew it was nothing a, it's about actually story. it's used in mortality studies. Really? Yeah, to see who because it was something like uh, more more women than men survived. No one, no men over a certain, over the age of forty nine survived. No children under the age of five survived, um, or were less likely to survive. So essentially, it's been used to study who's in a, those scenarios, who's more likely to die and, and why. Hmm. For example, in, at that time, the men were expected to take on a lot more than manual labour, so they had been kind of coaxing oxen and moving rocks and clearing brush, you know, since the Wasatch Mountains. So that that had weakened them before they got to the winter, and then they were still out cutting wood, and so on. So they had a higher risk of, of fatality. Yeah, and injury—that's the thing. Mm, like George Don's yeah, gangrenous well. hand, you just get injured, and you know the more manual labour they do, the more likely you are to hurt yourself. But so. in, in truth, that that is that is a a, a hip scoppity skim o- over the uh, the tale of the Donner Party. There are much more detailed accounts of who's eating who at what point. But I didn't want to get too bogged down in the detail. Chances are, I'd forget and get it wrong. But that. In a in a brief sort of circumspect way, it's the story of the Donner Party. Lovely. What can go wrong when you li- when you know when you listen to ill-informed folks? Well, moving on, I also have a story. It is about the conclusion to an epic tale that we have already discussed. <gasps> Battle of Pass. Yeah, Battle of Pass Two. Electric yeah. Boogaloo. <laughs> More the than- Soviet Yeti did it. Yeah. No, this is there is a certain group of people that I fell in love with once, and I. Oh, is this a callback to an episode we've done before? Mm. A certain group of, of boys who decided to ride a balloon to the balloon North Pole boys. The so balloon you, if I, Correct me if I'm wrong, but so you, you missed the original telling of the I, balloon boys. I was not I was not there, but I have I have listened to the episode. The balloon boys. Yeah. Well. Well, so. now you're here for part two, and Val isn't, so. Yeah. <sighs> but there can only be one. Yes, so the Balloon Boys tale, there, was a, there has to be a missing member. There has to be a trio. So well, the, 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 the charisma, and the, the grandeur of Balloon Boys tales is such that they, was, they, they well, shunt out one of our members. Yeah, but was there three Balloon Boys? I don't remember how many was, Balloon Boys there were. I just remember, I remember there was opium. Yeah, that's what I, was, I remember the fact they were getting really high and, and hovering a metre off the ground. <laughs> high in one sense, but not the other. So, the Balloon Boys and, and this story is something I love about humankind. Is the fact that we have such a weird obsession with doing stupid shit for no other reason to try, try, and try again. Yeah. So the balloon boys took their balloon to the North Pole and they all died. So this really is balloon boys two electric boogaloo. Yeah, it is because these. This is the story because on today May so the May May the twelfth nineteen twenty six, the airship Norg. Was it Norg? Norg. Yeah, Norg. Scandinavian. Is the first balloon ship. To get to the North Pole. Oh, was wow. it the Finnish? 
It is a Italian oh. and Norwegian design. Who would have thunk? Yep. And it gets it. They do it. So, twenty, you know, nineteen twenty-six is when the Balloon Boys are finally vindicated. <laughs> the, the, the gauntlet they've thrown down in an opium-fueled haze and picked up. <laughs> Wasn't one of them eaten by a polar bear? Yeah, where, like where, was the, where were the original Balloon Boys from? I think they were. They were where, where were they from? So, oh, I think so, Sweden, wasn't it? Mm. They were Swedish and they, and they... Oh, yeah, because the Swedish king was like, cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to think... Yeah, yeah. So so it makes sense that Norwegians were involved this time. Yeah. So this ship was a semi-rigid airship. Okay. How, what does that mean? It means it... Well, Jonah. Like, more like... <laughs> yeah, like the Hindenburg. Okay. In design, essentially. And it was designed by a guy called Alberto Noble. Umberto Noble. Yeah, Umberto Noble. A relation of... No. Okay. No, he was... Uh, and, he, and he started his construction in 1923 of this airship. And uh, as he was building it, he made a deal to make it Arctic worthy. For money. Good start. With, so, so with, with the devil? With the devil. No, with, with a company. So they were like, how about you take this airship to North Pole? And he was like... If you'll pay for the airship. Yeah, pay, yeah. pay for it, yeah. And they did. So he was like, cool, cool. And then he put a bit of fur lining on it. Yeah, zhuzhed it up. Zhuzhed up. Oh, so it's like a winter skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Did he do anything else to it? A little, he, so a the you know, Elsa plushie on the, the bow. En- the envelope, if you will, which is the balloon, mm. essentially. He he pressurised it. He pressurised it and reinforced it with metal frames at the yeah. nose and the tail. So, wait, one of the things that he did was... Uh, he then added a flexible tubular metal that, um, keel that connected both the ends of the balloon. And he actually converted, um, covered this whole area with more fabric and used it for storage and crew space. Oh, wow. So actually, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, there was a three engines and a separate control cabin were attached to the bottom. It was the first Italian kind of, of the, uh, Italian airship of this design to be constructed with a cruciform tail fin, which is essentially like a crucifix yeah. style yeah. tail fin that we all know from the airship. Like This is this is really just... Quintessential The quintessential blimp, yeah, blimp yeah. that he's, he's building here. Already and, a step up from the Bloom Boys is just... Balloon. Yeah, yeah, basically, <laughs> they but were a bit more around the world. The maybe. spirit lives on because the, the Norwegians hear about this and they want in because they're like Swedes have tried. And we're gonna do it with Italian help. Which, if I ever heard a worse combination <laughs> of attempted ex- <laughs> Norwegians funded by Italian equipment, so he he gets telegrammed by a man called Amundsen. 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 Who sounds more Egyptian than? Yeah, Amundsen. Amundsen, yeah. Oh, no, he's really famous. He was the rival to, to Scott. Yes. I remember because Brian Blessed told the story in QI, yeah. but I'm going to shamelessly rip it off. When he heard that Scott had... Because obviously he was the one who beat Scott to, to the, the Antarctic. Yeah. But when he heard Scott had died, Amundsen was in the bath. And apparently stood up and just, you know, exclaimed, like, he's, he's beaten me. Because he knew that but when Scott, because he would be the martyr, would always be Scott of the Antarctic. And it would, you know, take an extra 30 seconds for me to put Amundsen next to Arctic Exploration. So he knew that because Scott had died, he would he would be the one famously Antarctic and Amundsen wouldn't. And he was right. Yeah. I mean, the, the maybe, maybe, maybe within Norway he's, he's correct. I don't know why it was important he was in the bath. Maybe he made a big splash and he stood up all, all frustrated. So Amundsen telegraphs Nope and asked to meet him in Oslo, where he proposed the airship trip across the Arctic. At this point, he got more funding from the Aero Club of Norway. And it was given the Sounds name. Sounds fancy. It was given the name Norg, obviously. Oh, so Norwegian. The Norwegian's yeah. name. So on the 29th of March. So the airship Norway. The airship Norway uh, had a big ceremony. Can you crack champagne on an airship or is that not advised? 
Uh, it doesn't I say. It, I, I, in, in, in all my stuff, it doesn't say if anyone was throwing bottles at the airship as it went. Maybe some Finnish vodka. It wasn't. It wasn't in Oslo. It was in. It was in um, Svalbard. It left from. It left from Rome. It was delayed a bit. Left from Rome. I was going to yeah, say because it was made in Italy. It was made in Italy. Oh, know, but... it stopped over in Norway, right? It didn't go straight from Rome to the North Pole. Yeah, and then the Norwegians went. We fa- we funded it. <laughs> so King George there, as I presume, it goes straight up over England. Yeah, no, back is that. I, it arrives. Like, it arrives in. Was... It arrives in Oslo after a few delays. Okay. On in the twelfth uh, April. On the fifteenth of April, it leaves, and it goes straight for Gatchina. Gatchina. Near, Gatchina yeah. near Leningrad. Um, oh yeah, it is called Leningrad. When last we visited the Balloon Boys, that was St. Petersburg. Yeah, but now it's Leningrad. Because there's been a little revolution. <laughs> so it arrived after a 17-hour flight, which I think is pretty impressive. Yeah. 17 hours from Oslo to, to Leningrad, St. Petersburg. Yeah, over the Baltic. Yeah, yeah, 17 hours, which is a pretty fast little thing. Italian made, I just want to keep saying that. It's a sports just, car. Just, yeah, it's, it's sports it's, car of Arctic airships. Niche category, but... How, wait, wait, bigger question... How how high off the ground was it? Was More it, than a meter. It, it says <laughs> here is there is no mention of how high it was, so Which, I'm assuming it's at least two it, meters. At the ordinary height. At the ordinary height, you would expect an airship because no one felt the need to notice it by sticking their leg overboard and going, "That's ground, <laughs> that's ground." That's well, not I'm just, just a real oh, polar bear. <laughs> I'm just thinking, obviously, the balloon boys were dragging there. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to work out how high. When so the Italians realised how fast it, it could go, did they try and set up a little, like Arctic airship racing circuit, or I don't know. That'd be fun. Race over the North Pole. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Back back round to Italy. Uh, so yeah, keep going round. Polar bears fulfilling the role that the Tuscan are, Raiders when... do in pod racing. <laughs> yeah, swipe at you. When when they arrived in Leningrad, they had to repair it for a week. So it turns out speed good it wears How on the old car. I I don't know. Just, just just weather, I guess. But they also sense. they also got collapsible rubber boats installed for emergency use because this is forward Sensible. thinking. Whereas the balloon boys that just we know, opium. Them, well, yeah, would have just had more heroin. They would have been like <coughs> more opium. That's what we. They'd have got there. They'd have looked at their their opium warehouse and they'd be like, "Well, guys, this could only last us five years. <laughs> more for up there six. <laughs> it's the twenty fourth of April when the weather's good enough for them to leave Gachina. They go up to Spitsbergen. The the sorry the mast itself that. It was to be launched off. wasn't actually ready, so they had to, okay. build it, to build it. Oh yeah, they have this big tower. Yeah, big tower to build it, just so they could leave from Gatchina. Uh, which I love the idea. This airship just lands one day. These Soviet peasants, newly formed Soviets, but these are fresh mm. Soviets. Look up and you're like, build formerly Tsarist peasants. Yeah, give us those rubber dinghies you've got there and build us a tower because we need to take off. And they're like, in Italian. Yeah. yeah, why did you land? <laughs> I love it the fact you could land you could land this this custom made airship in the middle of, in the middle of the Soviet Union and just be like cool. Back in the time, I was like, I imagine like the equivalent proposition these days: Elon Musk landing one of his SpaceX rockets in you know Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, and then just being like him like, hello, humble. Can you herders. build me a new rocket fire? <laughs> yes. Could yeah. you build us a launch pad? Yeah. You know, here near Peshawar. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a rocket fire. A rocket fire. That, is that, is that, that the proper term? Yeah, that's the proper term. Sawnose astro- saw rockets. Yeah, rocket, yeah, but rocket firer sounds stupid. No, rocket launcher. Come on, it's cooler. We've been saying it for no, years. No, you hold a rocket launcher. No, I launch rockets however I want. The, the act of launching a rocket, if it makes a rocket go vroom, it's a rocket launcher. End of discussion. What if it makes a good... NASA, suck my balls. I hope they cut all your funding if that's what you call it. Rocket firer. No, they, they didn't. Who called that? Me, I just called it a rocket fire. It's a rocket wanna, launcher. Trying to calm down. Yeah, a little rocket launcher, get a big rocket launcher. Of course, launcher, it's a launch pad, James. Yeah. Jesus. 
So anyway, the airship finally left on the, <laughs> on the 5th of May. After the peasants managed to build a tower for build them. A tower I imagine they were as befuddled that it's leaving as they were in its arrival. <laughs> and they just left with a tower. <laughs> what, what do we do with this? He'll explain to Commissar. It's not good use of Soviet resource. Yeah, so they went to a place called Vladslo in Norway. Vladslo? Vladslo. And uh, there was another airship. I don't know. Tower. What, I don't know why I'm saying. Like I know it just sounds Norwegian. Yeah, yeah there was a there was a another tower there for them to leave. You know, going north, and this is still there to this day. By the way, everyone. Cool. So it then crosses the sea. Do we know if the Getchina one is still there, or was it repurposed as I know it, it, a tank barricade? It doesn't say. It was probably it was probably turned sideways and fired at the Germans <laughs> at some point. <laughs> um, from, from a from a from a rocket fire. firer, yeah, tower firer. Anyway. Um, no, no. These these Russian these they, Soviet peasants became the the Soviet Union's first aeronautical engineers, trying to make their own blimp. So they arrive, they arrive in Svalbard. Yeah. So they're really north now, and so far no one has taken too much opium, fallen off, Attacked crashed by it, polar bears, eaten by polar bears, lost their head. So there were sixteen of them, including Amundsen. You're yeah. next. You're going to tell like so they haven't taken any opium. No running with polar nope. bears. They're more than a meter off the ground. Next, you're going to tell me there are some qualified Arctic explorers among them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we me. have we have on ship. We have the designer of the ship, so he knows what's going on, and he's the pilot, which is old noble. Yeah. We have a polar exped- explorer and expedition sponsor, Lincoln Ellsworth, as well as polar explorer Oscar Whistling, who served as the helmsman. Other crew were Hijamar Risa Larson, a navigator, first lieutenant Emil Horgan, elevator man. You have Captain Bridger Golbert, who is a radio expert. You have Dr. Finn Malmgren of Uppsala University, who is a meteorologist. They sound positively overqualified. Yeah, Frederick Ram, journalist, who sounds the least qualified. There was also a radio man, not very qualified, a flight engineer, a chief mechanic, a rigger, and three separate mechanics. Nobel's dog. What was the dog trained in? Physics? It's a mascot, but also was supposed to be the moral heart and soul and fabric of the old no, the, all we, all we she need, was called Titina all we have to know now is it's a German Shepherd and James will actually cry yeah Titina is the dog so so where's Amundsen in all this Amundsen mm. is was the expedition needed to navigate oh, okay so he was there as well it was a toss up for a brief good, de- good at delegating it seems yeah to yeah, a lot of people a lot of people who were very qualified to not take a load of opium and get their heads bitten off by polar bears and crash land at any point so unsurprisingly they left on the 11th of May, at 9.55 in the morning. From Svalbard. Yep. They reached the North Pole on the 12th of May. They did it in a day. What, the 12th of May. For, so, no, it was, the, it was the 11th of May, yeah. To the 12th of May in at 1.25 GMT. <laughs> it would be like, the, the 11th of May, um, 1920, whatever, then literally the year later. It's like no, a year, year and yeah. one They day. reached the North Pole, at which the Norwegian, American, Italian flags were dropped from the airship onto the ice. Relations between Amundsen and Nobel, which had been strained in the freezing, cramped, and noisy conditions, became even worse when Amundsen saw the Italian flag dropped was larger than either of the others. <laughs> so standard Italian style. Amundsen later recalled with scorn that under Nobel, the airship had become a circus wagon in the sky. But I tell you what, it fucking did it though, didn't they? Um, I just like the idea, just that he obviously dropped the bigger flag and he's like, I built it. Yeah, suck my dick. <laughs> I was the one that built this. Yeah. Right. But eat, so eat my dick. After crossing the pole, though, so it's Amundsen was there. Like these things should only be used for not fun purposes, like going cold places. However, there were some problems. After crossing the pole, ice kept growing on the ship. 
to such an extent that when pieces were breaking off, they would actually be blown into the propellers Oops. and were striking the fabric of the hull. Not great. quote is, the ice forming on the propellers as we went through the fog and hurled against the underside of the bag had pretty well scarred up the fabric covering, covering the keel. Though it had not opened up the gas bags or caused any hydrogen loss, we had used up all our cement in repairing the fabric. Dear. On the 14th of May, the uh, the uh, the old Nor- Norg reached the uh, Inuit village in Alaska, where, in view of worsening weather, the decision was made to land rather than continue. The airship was reportedly damaged during the landing and was dismantled and shipped back to Italy. Oh, there we go. Yeah, by the Inuits. No, by I don't know if they, if they did. Fair play because they seem to have a way of just getting random people they land next <laughs> to do all their work. For. <laughs> just like, again, build us a tower, flex. dismantle our you, ship. You there? Bring your whalebone tools. We have an airship to dismantle. Send yeah. it to Italy, <laughs> <laughs> Italy, Italia. There you go. That is the legacy of the Balloon Boys, and the success that yes, you can take an airship over the North Pole. Fuck you me. just require less opium, less opium professionals. <laughs> and bigger airship, bigger, better airship. Hydrogen also helpful. Yeah, I mean, what was the what was the year difference? Because I think it was the eighteen yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Boys was Boys. I want to say not, not quite a hundred years, but certainly. No, like, I, wonder, I thought it was like eighteen eighty or something. Yeah, about forty, maybe forty, fifty years. Yeah. yeah. So instead of just a hot air balloon, you need like a blimp. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there you go. There the you balloon go. boys can sit quietly in their graves because. It could be well, done. Well, I don't know. They're Swedish, and the Norwegians beat them. Well, to be fair, but then the Norwegian got cut by the guy with the Italian flag. So really, the winners yeah. in all this are the Italians, because their flag was biggest. Ha, Which, ha, ha. I mean, they, they win they, so little in the in the, in the the early half of the 20th century. So yeah, let them. Well done, Italy. The North Pole is your bitch. Preemptory pre- consolation prize for having your, for losing the Second World War. And for Greece giving you a, one, one of those old biffings. <laughs> so yeah, there we go. That was today in history. Two expeditions, one that ended in cannibalism, and one that ended up with Italians and Norwegians not getting along... Now, that is end today in history, and what a, an exploration into history it was, get it? Because, you know, yeah. Uh, and now, pretty let's tasty one like eat that. the flesh of our fellow man, or perhaps the alternative, being taken a bite of our next segment, being Who Let Them Near a Keyboard? Don't Eat People. Listen what, to the late shift. What are you saying? He's trying to cram in some puns. Why? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do what Val does, but very badly. You know, she links it all together. Yeah. So I'm just going to say... Okay, let me try it again. I'll do it in James' style. Jane history, done. Boom, gone. Who, who let them near, near the North Pole? More like... Who, who let, let them, them near, near a keyboard. keyboard. Ha ha. Anyway, who let them near a keyboard? Well, it's been a couple of weeks since the new Avengers film came out. And I'm sure it's all been spoiled and all that kind of stuff. Either through people on the internet yelling at you or by Marvel being unable to bring their own franchise to bear. So in spirit... Of, of Marvel's rip-roaring success and global domination of the local, of cinema, I've decided that my reviews this time will be exclusively of Marvel films. So oh. every review is something in the MCU and someone's opinion on it. Do we even have a choice of movies? Or do we just have to... No, you get three. I, I'm okay. waiting for the curveball that is 1990s Captain America. Yes, which is the correct answer to all of them. <laughs> now, uh, so, I guess it's definitely not going to be... They are all... They are, by the way, this is MCU films starting with Iron Man oh, okay. and continuing on until okay, so proper M- MCU. So, so it's the, the, the fight Blade, era. The, yeah, this era now. So st- the, no film before Iron Man will be included. No film I mean, outside, outside, of, outside the... of the MCU. So, you know, you won't get Blade on here with the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. None of that. So it's only... So, let us begin. <laughs> so the first review is... As follows, just for the audience, again, I read these reviews as they are written, 
except I will occasionally change a tiny bit that will give it away. For example, yeah. the name of an actor, director, the actual name of the film, I will leave out or modify slightly. Beyond that, they are written as they are on the page. I will read them as they're on the page. <laughs> so the first review is, The trailer seemed to me quite stupid, but I thought that it had to be some sort of a joke, and that maybe there was some there was some interesting message underneath the machismo and warmongering talk. How wrong I was. I'm sure that others have pointed out how pathetic this movie was. I know it is a waste of time, but let me re-reiterate. I think someone's autocorrect filled, <laughs> filled in reiterate <laughs> after they'd written. You rarely see such a sexist, racist and war-glorifying movie. Only something like the Transformers can compete with this. Yet this movie is another enrolment advertisement for the military. Sure, don't we all know that the American military would never sacrifice innocent lives? Brackets. If used as human shields. Close brackets. Or the development or develop weapons that violate human rights. Not even Disney is that dumb. One out of ten. So your film options are Captain Marvel. Okay. Avengers Infinity War. Or Iron Man. I I think it's Iron Man. I thought it was Iron Man as well. Going Iron Man. Iron Man it is. The correct answer is indeed Iron Man. Yeah. Because there's the whole bit where they are using human shields. Yeah. So the yeah. fact that that was mentioned specifically. See, I thought it was Captain. I thought you were going for um, uh, Captain America because obviously, but then you that didn't... would have been a bit meta. They're like, oh, it's just it's war propaganda because the, the yeah, is. the beginning is war propaganda. So that's so, that's what I was thinking. In my head, I was like Iron Man or. <laughs> and wasn't there, you know, when the comics announced that he was actually a secret Nazi? Yeah. Um, they were weaving. No. Secret Nazi. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> no Hugo Weaving's a very public Nazi. You see him at the market. Prince Harry is a secret Nazi. <laughs> but um, I remember when, essentially when they ele- he was actually, what's the f- Hydra? He was actually a Hydra yeah, yeah, plant. Yeah. They were actually American servicemen who wrote in complaining because Captain America had inspired them to, you know, serve their country. Really? So the fact that he was a secret Nazi they thought was disgusting. It's also a really shit plot twist. So yeah. That's, that's my problem with it. Anyway. Next one. Occasionally in life, there are those moments of unutterable fulfilment. Isn't it unutterable? Nope, it says unutterable. Well, they're wrong. Well, I'm sure they are, Jonah, but uh, it is unutterable. <laughs> they are inutterably correct. Yeah. So where I'm wrong, they look like a moat. Which I cannot be completely explained by those symbols called words. <laughs> the letters are symbols, the words are collections. Sorry, I'm, this, I'm becoming one of them. This sequel is one such moment. I do need to see it again. In terms of pure enjoy hyphen ability, I put it in top three sequels that I have enjoyed. Ten out of ten. Please let us be Iron Man 3. You have Avengers Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. Thor Dark World, <laughs> or Iron Man 2. I'm going to go Age of Ultron. I'm going to go Dark World. Don't be be Dark World. Because Dark World, this is the thing, that is a glowing review, and I think Dark World is the worst of those sequels. Yeah. Because at least Iron Man 2 had Sam Rockwell in it, being Sam Rockwell. (laughs) Risk it for the biscuit is correct for Dark World is the answer. I just thought no one would be able to leave a good review for that shit movie. On IMDb, 7.3. That's why it's fucked up. That's what I mean. Like, that's not a 7.3. 
No, nowhere. No, just it's sh- not even. It's not. It's below the Marvel mediocre line. Yeah, which is a very, very kind of low bar as it is. Anyway, next review. Sadly, I had big expectations for this film. Well, that's wrong with you. It's a Marvel film. I was looking forward to this release, only to be dismayed. It's at not best, released at all. This movie made with ninety percent green screen sequences, but in reality, it is a discombobulated mash of garbage that takes way too long to develop any story whatsoever, and the storyline is thin and weak as nightclub whiskey, left stale overnight and re-poured. What? The hype is overrated, and the movie is ultimately disappointing. May appeal to millennials who exist without a functioning brain cell. <laughs> One out of ten. Guidance of the Galaxy. Black Panther. Captain Marvel. Avengers Infinity War. Long Ooh. time to build up. Okay, think. Considering the furore around Captain Marvel and the significance of Black Panther, I reckon it'd be a pretty dicey work to find yeah. reviews for those two that weren't out and out offensive. Meta gaming it, thinking about mm. James trying to find some reviews about Black but Panther that, doesn't, that, that, that racist. That doesn't mean they don't exist. But what was the other one? Inf- Infinity, Infinity War. War. I'm Which one had a lot of CGI? I, Captain Marvel must have, because the uh, suit and the powers. Uh, all of them. <laughs> it's, it's what Marvel does. <laughs> like, yeah, God just, damn. But like, yeah, but even I think, for yeah, a Marvel Black, film. I think Black Panther had the, the least CGI apart from the fucking huge city. <laughs> hmm. but, then, but Captain Marvel only had a lot of CGI at the end, because the majority of it, obviously, is, is her just with, going around the city. Yeah. With Sam Jackson. I might say Infinity Jamming War. Jamming with then. Sam Samuel Jackson. So you've talked talk yourself into Infinity War? I have, yes. I've so talked myself into Infinity War. You shouldn't have. Black Panther. Oh, wow. What? Black really? Panther. Because guess what? I was willing to sift through all the racism. <laughs> How I much? was. Was there a lot? Oh, my God. So many of them started with. I'm not racist. I support but... black rights, but this film is the worst thing that's ever happened to anyone ever because mainly there were black people in it. Too many with too much agency. One, I'm not would have, one would have been enough. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that seriously, it was, it was appalling. And then same, same with Captain Marvel. There was a lot of like Brie Larson is a potato sack and Very stuff like that. Yeah. Next one, it's a short but sweet one. So so far, Jonah's in the lead, right? By one with yes. only one. Yes, two to one. Yeah, two to one. Everyone in this film looks embarrassed to be here. <laughs> one out of ten. So your options are Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers Assemble, okay, Captain America: Civil War. Or Guardians of the Galaxy. Just to reiterate, now, everyone civil, in this civil film... War, civil War was the good one. Civil War... I hated Civil War. No, wait, wait, wait not Civil War, the other one. Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier Winter Soldier one. was the good one, Civil War wasn't. Yeah. So Avengers Assemble, Guardians of the Galaxy, or oh, Captain America I think, Civil War. I think... Because I was initially thinking... The actors. Yeah. The actors look embarrassed. But to be honest, all of Civil War was pretty embarrassing. It was so, such a, I was a Civil War. I like the idea that someone's like, they look embarrassed to be fighting each other because it's so limp. Yeah. I'm Civil yeah, War. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Civil War as well. No, straight, stop. Change. Guardians of the Galaxy. I said it before we chose. I'm going to wild card, baby. You've been saying Guardians of the Galaxy a lot, so. Yeah, I'm just going to say it now just to get out of my system. Civil War. Ah, Everyone in the film was embarrassed to be there. And I think, honestly, not a bad review. Bearing in mind, I've seen the paprika scene. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's, it's shameful. Shameful. No wonder, like, Paul Bettany is... The only person who's excited to be there is, is to- uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man. And I guess that is what the role he's playing. Yeah. I'm really excited to be here. Everyone else does just generally look like they're like... Ooh. Hey, have you seen that really old movie, Star Wars? Next one. Mm. So this is the f- final well, maybe one. The, maybe there, they there, there is take... a bonus one. 
but I shan't count it because there's no oh. way, you, there's no actual evidence of how to guess it. But it just made me laugh that someone had left this review on IMDb. May I add, I actually lost. This is not that review, but this is the final review. I actually lost a lot of brain cells today. I should have trusted my instinct, which told me after ten minutes of this atrociously written, poorly shot, nauseatingly acted nonsense that I should leave. But I said to myself, "Let's stick. Maybe it will redeem itself." Oh, but no. It just got worse and worse until it crossed all lines of idiocy. The characters were like disposable stick figures with no concept of personality at all. Jokes were bad, really, really bad, and you could feel how pathetically they were inserted into the movie just to give it some redeeming value in the form of comic reliefs, which also failed. I left in the mid-movie, as I could just as easily sit and stare at a blank wall and pay money for it. I still lose the money, but at least I get to keep my neurons alive. One out of ten. Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. Ant-Man. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Ant-Man was just one of those ones that kind of slid under the radar. It was just such a nothing film. I actually liked it. I liked Ant-Man. I liked bits of it. Yeah. The bits that were written... By Edgar Wright. Yeah, yeah by Edgar Wright. I haven't just got Iron Man 3. Um, I would leave that kind of review for Iron Man 3. I would as well. To be honest, some of these reviews I don't disagree with. Because mm. some some of them... Well, not, I'm not as harsh, but mm. someone does need to call up more of Marvel's... They don't like, write so hammerly either. Yeah. This guy's, this guy's really upset that he dropped from 200 IQ to 198. Yeah. Don't worry, well, mate. Just watch some Rick and Morty. I'm going to lose anyway, so let's, let's... Guardians of the Galaxy. So, your faith has been rewarded. It was Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I knew if I said it enough, it'd be right. Yeah. yeah. Here is the... Are you guys tied? No, it's no, three no, we'll, to two. Three to two. Okay, we can, we can do the next one if you want to include it or not. Well, it depends. If I win it or not, then... You could draw um, Jonah, do you... No, accept, do you I consent. I consent. consent if, f- if it is... Yeah. Let's, let's have this, this little... Let's have this. it out. The bonus one, may I add, is a review on IMDb, where I assume you think we, we review the film and its contents. Here is the review for this film. When I bought the film, the Blu-ray box smelt like shit. <laughs> one out of ten. <laughs> No, guys, that's all clues. So it's on Blu-ray, and also it's already out on DVD. <laughs> that, was, that was the whole review. Now, I'm, I'm piecing this together, guys. Like, is, it, is it like is it like a way, <laughs> a way of saying that the contents were so shit that it smelled the box smell? It just said the Blu-ray box smelled like shit. Your options are Thor Ragnarok. Captain America the First Avenger and Doctor Strange. <laughs> so which of those films do you think has the stinky Blu-ray? I'm going for Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. I will explain my logic later okay. if I'm right, like I always do. Oh, um... Just keep... I think... Keep this... Obviously, the, the, the spirit of this question, I can't pick the same as Saul. Um, so you have Thor Ragnarok or Captain America the First Avenger I'm going to say uh, Thor Ragnarok it was what? Thor Ragnarok no I do so for all you buyers out there the Thor Ragnarok is a 1 out of 10 film because the Blu-ray smells like shit not anything to do with the film see I thought someone would buy the buy the um, Doctor Strange on Blu-ray because it would look nicer because it's got lots of visuals 
Like, I, I guess, but, but like then... Like, Thor Ragnarok's quite pretty. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a good movie. Thor Ragnarok, good No, movie. no, it's a one-star movie because, because the, the box, box smells shit. Yeah, right? yeah, sorry, sorry, I, I already forgot. Sorry, I already yeah. forgot. Like, he's yeah. warning us of that. Yeah, because... Taiko and Titi wiped his ass with it. Well, <laughs> personally, with that copy of Thor, right? I hope he did. Signed, in a way. I really hope, because think about it. You know, it would you know affect... You know they say? They say that your, your, your anus is more unique than your fingerprints. Yeah, do you know what I think? Honestly, do you, do you think it's, there's one wiped by each car? So that means I need to buy some to see if I can smell Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, <laughs> that's the <laughs> well, one you're after. Gonna, to be fair, Jeff Carl Urban, come on. Jeff Goldblum, I think, is the only member of that cast who would let you crouch down by his derriere, Blu-ray box in one hand, sniff, sniff his ass, compare, and be like, <laughs> "I've got the right one. <laughs> I've got, I've got Goldblum." <laughs> I love the idea. I feel like Tom Hiddleston would I, not be so. I love for the that. idea of, of every cast and crew member when a film is made bending over one copy of the Blu-ray and just farting into it, and quickly snapping it <laughs> shut and putting it on the set. So you could technically have Chris Hemsworth's fart gas. I got the thing is though, is the sad thing is there are people who would pay serious money to have the box that contains Chris Hemsworth's gas and be like, never open it, it's sacred. It's a collector's item. The the Jeff Goldblum fired in. It's all right. Okay, okay, I pose you this, James. We need to get a copy of um of Thor Ragnarok, sell it on eBay, just under the title saying Chris Hemsworth farted in this <laughs> and see how much money it goes for. How much there's money it, hey, so, if you if you turned up at a con with the Blu-ray box and asked someone to fart in it, would you get thrown out immediately? I think so. Comic Con, you just went up to I don't know. I know anyone. Any member of the MCU. Like let's just say uh John Favreau. <laughs> you go to John Favreau you're like hey John fart my coffee fart, by Iron Man 3 uh, yeah fart because it was shit and now it's going to smell like shit <laughs> the point is that I just wanted to include that one as my little bonus one because when I saw that I was like I can't not put that in there just the fact that that, that was a one star review for I love it. that it's such a good review yeah just smell like but the thing is I was thinking as much as I'm laughing about it and it, 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 it was funny that would colour your your opinion of a film somewhat wouldn't it like, imagine mm. if you've got a film you haven't seen it before you get the box. Well, you buy the DVD first. But the thing Maybe. is, he says when I bought it, so he obviously probably ordered it online. Because imagine if you picked up at the store and you went, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm assuming it was like. I, I'm no, okay, okay. I don't maybe, know. Maybe it only smelled after we took the uh, the wrapping off. Yeah, like you know, it was. The, the, no, 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 no. Bear with me. I do not open a, like a new game case or DVD case and smell it. No, not with games. With books, I do. Books, not yeah, I games. do with books. I don't do it with games. I do, but I do it with everything. But I would understand. Like, so it's, I... it's a trap for your kind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ugh. So, so Chris, I, I truly believe that Jeff Goldblum did that. Because that, as you say, he is... Uh, let's uh, let's, uh, let's yeah. line up the usual yeah. usual suspect. Uh-huh. Of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did it. Uh, it was me. Inhale. Uh, accept. <laughs> What's the gotcha. what's the line from fucking Jurassic Park? You, you were stop. so concerned to see if you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. <laughs> I stopped. I thought, and I knew I should. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, this one, I line up the cast of 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 Thor Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok, and accuse one of them of fighting a copy of the DVD. I think Goldblum. I think Goldblum gets Goldblum be my first bet. Uh-huh. Then Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, and then Taika Waititi. Do you think so? I think yeah. mine would go. He's, he's ra- I mean, he's random enough. I think mine would go Jeff Goblin, Taika Waititi, Dark Horse ca- category, Kate Blanchett. Oh no, she she does she has she's low key weird. She's under the surface. Weird. Yeah, I think I think she would just she just take she's the opportunity. Low key. She she, would, she the thing is I think ah. I think she would take the opportunity knowing Goblin's on set. 
She'd set him up. She'd set him up and she'd go, because no one suspects Kate Blanchett. She was Gladriel. Gladriel doesn't go and fight him. Very Yeah, Elves don't fight. She doesn't do that. Bam. Does now. Crop she's, dust. She's, she's, <laughs> she signs it saying, this is Jeff Goldblum's fart. Fast it, closes it. Give it uh, a mystery. The mystery's got to no, be part no, of it. Because no, it's a perfect crime because there's just one guy who's... who's, no, who's no, how many people have suffered in silence from stinky DVD yeah, boxes? I was say, like, this, this is the this first guy, guy to take to the internet. This guy who left the review didn't say Jeff Go- like it because of Jeff Goldblum's fart. No. He doesn't suspect. He just thinks it smells so, like so, shit. It smells like shit. He thinks, I don't know, someone, someone flushed it. He doesn't know. He doesn't know that it was Kate Blanchett framing Jeff Goldblum in the hope that we get out the Jeff Goldblum fast DVD cases so she could get away with doing it. How is she framing Jeff Goldblum if no one knows? Because it's him. Come on, because it's not like, as I said, because it's no smoke without fire. If Jeff Goldblum's on set and a DVD turns up stinky, enough that someone complains. It takes a couple of visionaries like us to to start spreading this around. And obviously we went for Jeff Goldblum, but she didn't count on us seeing through her roost. Seeing through her roost. She's somewhere right now, ears burning, wide awake, she doesn't know why she's so anxious. Because we're onto her. Mm. We've caught you, Blanchett. We've caught you. Someone tweet her. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Okay. Find DVD boxes. <laughs> blocked. <laughs> Straight away. Okay. Um, the, the, the point is... Goldblum is... Hashtag Goldblum Goldblum's innocent. Goldblum did nothing wrong. <laughs> so, anyway, that, that, that concludes that segment. And on to Saul's spooky stories. So, we, we started with cannibalism... We'll end with cannibalism. Hey, no, but not not necessarily not not cannibalism in a way. We're, um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, the Black Dolphin Prison. Never heard of it. It's the Russian prison where they. It is basically you only ever go there if it's a life sentence. Okay. And you don't get to see daylight or anything. And really, you're constantly. Yeah. So, so basically, this place is filled with. All the paedophiles, mass murderers, terrorists, um, cannibals, uh, and as it's quite to saying, uh, people insane. So it's pretty much just Russian brawl. Yes. Okay. But mixed with <clears throat> mixed with just KGB. supermax <laughs> prison. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because obviously Broadmoor is for the insane. Yeah. The yeah. very severely mentally ill. Um, worse than prison. Actually, yeah, don't argue. Don't up to your eyeballs all day. Yeah. Can't run ever. Stuff like that. But mm. um, this sounds like you just. It literally sounds like something out of Gotham City. It sounds like Arkham Asylum. Well, mixed with Blackgate Prison. Well, that's the thing. So basically, you, when you're there, um, you have you and your inmate. Um, you spend all of your time in, in your cell. You're never alone. You have 24 hour, seven days a week surveillance on you. When you're being moved from building to building, you are blindfolded, so you can't ever get the layout of the prison memorised. You have no idea, basically. Um, you also put in um, a position where, uh, when you're out, you have you have you're accompanied by three people at all times if you're out of your cell, and one of those guys has a dog. So, and also one guy has so you're handcuffed, mm-hmm. and they push you at a right angle, so you're you're facing the floor. And you have to walk that way, hunched over, with blindfold on, with your arms like up. So Oy. the whole idea is basically that in that position you can't can't try and get out or run away. Mm. That and also you're also blindfolded, so that doesn't help. Um, you get you, there's no you only ever really see guards and um, your cellmate. I guess you don't get conjugal visits. No, you don't get any communication with the outside world. 
you get so no communication from the outside world. Um, you get 90 minutes of exercise a day, and I watch the videos. It's not really exercise. There is a slightly bigger room, so again, no sunlight, but you get to walk around it with, with your cellmate. And it's you just. Uh, I was watching the videos. It was like lions pacing a um, pacing a zoo pen because it was just like there's not enough space to run. It's literally just walking back and forth for 90 minutes, and then you go back into your cell. Aye. They're fed. Uh, I think. Twice, twice a day on soup and bread, and they get fed in their cell. So there's not even like, because the thing is, obviously, you know, in other prisons, you have, yeah, like you a, have you know, dining halls, yeah, dining halls. So you know, there's other people there, and obviously, there's a, there's a lot more social. There's a lot of other people, but this is you get to see guards that constantly check check on you every 15 minutes. They check up on you. They check your cells, obviously, when you're um, when you're exercising, just in case you're like trying to sharpen something or something. No com- contact for the outside world whatsoever. For the whole life till you die. <clears throat> Until you die, yeah. Christ. I put it, literally put them in a room and f- forget about them. Forget them. Yeah. So, some stats. There's about 700 people in that prison, I think. And collectively, all of them together have murdered um, over 3,500 people. Really? Which averages out five people per person. Yeah, some, some, some higher some, than others. Some more than others, yeah. There's one guy that I watched the interview of... Um, which was uh, Vladimir Nikolaev, and he was uh, their resident cannibal. And he was basically telling the story of like how he got into it. He, I mean, he only had he he had less than average. He had two people that he killed, and but he uh, presumably ate both of them. Yeah, but so essentially, he was um, drunk coming home um, from a night out, and he was entering his apartments and there was a guy outside having a sig or a guy outside that just asked him for a light uh, so they got talking and they end up having an argument and the guy ends up t- like punching him and Vladimir punches him back and ends up killing him by accident so he panics drags him to um, his bathroom gets him all the way into his flat <clears throat> gets him in the bath and just yeah in the interview he was like well what was I meant to do so he cut the guy up so he cut off his arms cut off his head and then he said that he was he had a thought and he was like I I, I want to try him and he said like, I, I didn't know why but I just thought I'll just try him so apparently he cut a bit of thigh, thigh yeah and he boiled it and he tried it and he said I didn't like that so he cut off another bit off and fried it up he then he then cut up the remaining of the body and gave the meat to a friend of his. And his friend, not knowing what it was, gave it to his wife, and his wife made uh, dumplings and things like that, and basically his family was... Um, he, he told them that it was kangaroo meat, because they didn't have any kangaroos, obviously, in Russia. But it ended up like, obviously, this guy and his wife and his children and friends were all eating this... This victim, guy. This guy. So what you're telling me is it tastes quite good, because they all ate it. Oh. Well, it tastes like pork, doesn't it? Well, that's what I'm saying. So they, they all ate it, so it doesn't taste bad. No, it's, it's not. I don't think it's the, the problem is if it tastes good or bad. No, I, I get that. I get that it's a person. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying that, like, uh, the point is you I don't think know. cannibalism was ever argued from the point of taste. It was oh, no, but the by, morality. By in Papua New Guinea, maybe. So, so the so the first so the first guy this guy killed, he ate some and and then distributed the meat. Yeah, a friendly neighbourhood cannibal. A, a proper Mrs. Was it Mrs. Lovett? The 
pie making oh, Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Mrs. Yeah, Mrs. Love it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, basically, he just like gave the meat away. But it was kind of like in the interview, he was like laughing throughout. He was like, like, oh, and I gave it to her, and then she didn't know what she was eating, and she even fed her children like the dumplings and stuff. And he was like, ha ha obviously a little bit fucked up. He's, he does. He did eat a person. Yeah. Like, I mean, that that may have been, you know, to, if the police is the court. That may have been the first indication. Of Exhibit A. <laughs> Exhibit A, he ate a person. And when did he eat the second person? I didn't say. Oh, he's just, a, maybe that was less, less been, interesting. Yeah, it must have been just a nut. He was like, he's like, well, his businesses are booming. <laughs> yeah. So what, was he interviewed while he was in Black Dolphin? Yes. So he did have some contact. This was the first and only time. Anyone's like, been interviewed while there. Oh. There was a um, a documentary made, and uh, I don't know why, but they agreed to allow a. But it's like I mean, another thing is like the fact that like e- even when you look at people that got out, because one person there's been one person not broke to out. no <laughs> no obviously there's no one's broken out. One person was found. Well, appealed. Okay, that was it. Just one. Really. Yeah, the rest of them. Have, uh, oh, had their their sentence what reduced, or they weren't guilty, or yeah, something like that. He he uh, it basically said, turns out opposing Vladimir Putin is not the same as being a cannibal. And they said, yeah, it is. You stay. And then they let the cannibal out just to spite him. That's been the only appeal. <laughs> but that just seems crazy. The fact that like only one person ever has has got out. Well, it is a hole to die in. Yeah, basically. But I was I was just I well, the reason why I wanted to bring this up was the fact that like. I wanted to bring it forth to the table. Like, I mean, yeah. Well, well, if you were a leader and you had, what, what would you do with them? If I was a leader, well, I mean, like, if you ruled a country, um, if I owned a prison like that, well, um, no, if you if you ran a country, would I have a prison like that? Or mm. well, how would your prison be? Uh, but I think criminology. You know, from what if I learned anything from my degree, it is that prison is too punitive on the minor offenders and not punitive enough on the major offenders. Uh, in 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 the UK especially, we have very very small sentences, which is stupid because small sentences go on your record and ruin your life. And when you're only in jail for like six months for tax evasion, because we have several schools of thought about what prison is for. So if I asked you now, what do you think prison is for? What would you say? Just one. If you had to encompass it all in one one kind of theme, what would you say prison is for? For the bad Primarily. people. Or the bad what, people. What Anyone the that breaks people? the law goes there. Well, you've, asked, you've asked me this before. Punishment. Yeah. Punishment. Yeah. So Jonas says punishment. So about punishing the criminal for doing a bad thing. Yes. Whereas a lot of people would argue that you also have, say, it's a deterrent. Prison is the punishment you put to bad people, but it's also to deter law-abiding, law-abiding citizens from breaking the law. Other people argue that prison is for retribution. It's for the, the victims of the crime to go, yeah, fuck you to the person who did it to them. Other people argue that it's about rehabilitation, that we should be trying to get these prisons back into society as functioning citizens. problem with Her Majesty's prisons is they try and spin too many plates. Yeah, and the other one is that people argue that prison should be about keeping society safe, fundamentally. Take all the bad people. Take all the bad people and put them away. We will put all the bad eggs in one basket, yeah. so none of them will escape. Yeah, exactly. So my point is that prison has all of these different roles to different people. But in say in prisons in 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 the UK, the UK based prison system, it's completely nonsense. It doesn't know what it's doing. So, uh, I, as I said, well, what would you do? Russia has many different prisons, but this one is for the worst of the worst. Yeah, that's the thing. It's for the so worst. Maybe, of the maybe, worst. maybe we'll stick with the worst of the worst. They'll say for the worst of the worst. Yeah. What, what is your max security like? My max security 
probably doesn't exist. I don't think it's worth the money. I think uh, if I had Max Security, there would be Max Security. Max Security would just be a train ride to a small chemical shed. And you just pop around it and then the guard would walk back alone. So it's so basically the death penalty. Yeah. Not, not. I wouldn't even extend it to murderers. That's not enough for me. People, you know, murderers, rapists, all that kind of thing. But that's not enough. I mean, we're talking people who are... Mass murderers. Mass murderers, mass rapists, and, and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, but if we were to talk about just major offences, my prison would... Um, it would be mainly just about keeping them regimented day in, day out through discipline until they succumb to illness or age. Manual labour, mainly. Function. Because that's the thing. Like These guys in this prison don't even have that. They literally just walk around a pen. Yeah. Because the thing is, obviously, in other prisons, they they, they do it a lot with, yeah, I mean... Workshops. So. Yeah, yeah, tons. Yeah. yeah. Make real, real good money because you don't have to pay prisoners uh, minimum wage. Yeah. yeah. Something like, yeah, 90% of um, army clothes and dog tags and belts and helmets are made by... Prisoners. US felons, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that's what I do. I, that's what I do. With, ma- with major criminals, with minor criminals, I would I would be f- purely about rehabilitation. But major offenders, I would just punish for lengthy sentences and regiment them and treat them treat them fairly fairly savagely. Not not like whip them and kill them. But I mean, I would be like, you know, it's not it's not you are here to be um, feeling unpleasant at twenty four seven. I think observance, constant observance, is one of them mm. that really take away that freedom from someone. I would do that. Majorly. Yeah, because that's that's one thing that um, that the inmate said of the Black Dolphin was the fact that it's so tormenting being watched, 20%. watched constantly. Yeah, knowing that you're being watched. In fact, twenty four seven. Jeremy Bentham talked about that. Yeah, it was the Benthamite Tower is yeah. the idea that if you have a tower that can see everything, you don't even have to have people in it. Yeah, people act like they're being observed. It's the whole logic with CCTV cameras. If that they're there, yeah. even if the footage is being erased every hour, people, people will act like CCTV cameras there. Because no one's watching CCTV. Days. Do you know how much CCTV is? The CCTV that's put into evidence is actually permitted. What percentage? Five, Probably five like percent. Five, ten, ten percent. Oh. So pretty spot on there. Like really low because they're just like it's so grainy you can't prove it's me. Anyway, but yeah, that is that is the thing. But I think observance is the worst one. It's taking away that freedom and privacy much more than beating and cruelly treating them. Is I, I don't believe so much in that. I just the reason my my closing thoughts on it is I feel like it is unnecessary mm. because my my argument is the reason I brought up the the, if, the reason for go, prison if, if they're there is, until death. What's the, what's point? the point of keeping them? Yes, my point. My point is if you are you know my point of prison is 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 that that doll from prison supposed to be a deterrent for major criminals? In which case, I'd argue. You won't deter them. Those kind of criminals I, are, are going to do it. Well, that's the thing. That's that's the thing I was surprised about because obviously, you know, I thought Russia they would be the ones that wouldn't right. it wouldn't be too you know above board to just go and just yeah. you know. Build but, but what I'm saying is no, that's for enemies of state and yeah, foreign that, country. Yeah, <laughs> my argument is that you cannot deter people who are that sick. Yeah, and I mean that sick, mentally ill. I don't mean that like, oh they're sick bastards. I mean mentally ill. That but man. you would be all right with, with killing the mentally ill, though. No, but that, well, that was what you, you said. Like, if if you if, if they're that bad, yeah, take them on a long train ride yeah. and take them behind the woodshed. Yeah, that's, that's but true. but you would so you would kill the mentally ill. Yeah, even if you you would have to acknowledge that they might not have all the agency. A lesser someone who did something less. Here, here's evil. my argument with with people in that situation mm. is the fact that they are they are they, you know they're, they're too dangerous to be left alive. You you have to either inter them for their whole life, mm. or you have to. Remove them. And my well, argument yeah, is, well, either way, you're removing them from society, society yeah. by confinement or. Execution. So my argument is the reason for that prison is the removal from society. 
That's what it is. That's the only reason for that and a deterrent. Now, I argue it would fail as a deterrent because it won't deter people. Who well, who, yeah, the, yeah, the kind of people you take that yeah. aren't deterrable. So it must be to remove these people from not just society but the general prison population, to which I argue if you have no intention to help them, you have no intention to deter more people by punishing them, if your sole intention is to remove them from society so utterly, save everyone money and just remove them from society but like, permanently. It's, there's always the fallibility of the justice system. There is. Like one guy appealed and got out. Yeah, but did he get out into the freedom of the wide world or did he get out into a less bad prison? Still. Yeah. Opposed, like, at least he can get to a less bad prison as opposed to, oh, we can surround Frankenstein him and put him in of a less course, bad prison. Of course, I get that, but the, the point is that I think it's crueler, in a way, the way those people are treated. I think that's cruel. Oh, I agree. But... To live to live 50 years like that, yeah. kill them. It's the merciful thing to do. If that's the only reason you are keeping them there is to keep them far, far away. Maybe, as made an example maybe, of... Maybe it is punishment. But that would be my argument. I think I think if you, if you are going to think like that with the sole intention to punish and against the perpetrator and you have no intention to rehabilitate them or reintegrate them into society at any point, as a government, then you should just remove those people. If that is your entire opinion to do it, that's not to say that I, that's you know that's what I would do with with every criminal. But I'm saying if you've got to that level where you've decided this person's irredeemable and pretty spot on guilty, hmm. then why are you keeping them around if you have no intention but to let that person rot away in the dark? Well, it wasn't dark; it was actually quite brightly lit. No, but you know what I mean, like <laughs> metaphorically speaking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I would, it's I would, not sunlight. Yeah. I would always err on the side of caution. So I would, if, if I ran a government, I would have people like that in black in a in a prison like because just in case it came yeah, to be like, yeah, but, uh, yeah like, you, you, for all the cruelty I would heap upon them I would allow them the right to appeal that is understandable but I, I just think that it's like, I, I want to appeal like, well I mean that we have your evidence of chewing the person whilst you're still alive <laughs> the, the thing is I think if I was to be introducing the death penalty I would make it that it is you know only I, I would have I don't know how I would do it but I would have things have to be double checked and triple checked by different departments before it can even go anywhere near the execution so to yeah. speak mm. like it would be the kind of thing where you know say someone goes I've put in evidence here's an image of him eating someone on camera I'd have to have that cross verified by another department another group of people who couldn't know one another so there's no collusion and all that kind of thing and I would have to I'd have to give it say a 10 year period before well, I mean, the, the execution the, could be carried out I was going to say that, I mean, that's often what happens anyway with the executions yeah. for the fact that yeah. there's a massive time yeah period. well yeah it's the reason why they have death rows because guys are on it for so long yeah, it's, yeah. it's to allow evidence to surface yeah. to, to defend them. What I'm saying is, it would be all that because the thing is, again, this is not one case of murder. Mm. These people, because one case of murder, you're like you could be, you, you do get innocent men in jail. I have never seen a recorded instance of an innocent man going to jail for the crime of being a serial killer. Yeah, or, yeah. or a multiple rapist. Again, or people like, have gone to jail for being a rapist. Or, or terrorists. And they didn't do it. Exactly. Yeah. The, point, the point I'm trying to say is that like, because yeah. repeat offenders are quite... You've got so much evidence against them. It doing accumulates. It yeah, yeah. No, I get that, but yeah. still, I would But still, no, that's yeah. the perfect... There's no wrong or right answers in this, really, bar like we should kill every criminal ever, Judge Dredd style. Um, the point is that it is just a purely philosophical and moral debate on whether you think and what and what the per- and it's in this thing the reason that's I brought why, up the that, fact that, that that's why I wanted to bring yeah, up the reason I brought up the fact there's five arguments is because even within the field that specifically studies this people completely disagree on what the purpose of prison is yeah yeah because again a lot of people say rehabilitation a lot of people hate the fact that we rehabilitate prisoners they think they should be in there you know half on fire at all times to suffer and mm. other people argue that that's not there's no way to build a society well on a very serious and 
slightly depressing end of the podcast. Yeah, go and think about that. Yeah, go. Late go. shift listeners. Yeah. Email us your suggestions for the penal system at shiftyfans <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, do you want to bring back the death penalty? Uh, do, yes, no? What, what do you think prison's for? Uh, do you think let it's... us know. If you say us, we'll understand. Yeah. Don't worry. We trust Val will be back soon to restore order. And I have been Saul. I'm Jonah, still. And I am James. Warden James. Warden James. No, temporary acting warden in, in abstinence. <laughs> so anyway, that has been the, the wonderful... Circus of the skies. <laughs> the late shift. Have a good evening. Good night. Good night, guys. Good night.